0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus, winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Scripture reading per se for our launch pad, but if it makes you feel better, stand with me. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to help us this morning. I need His help today. Uh, Maybe you don't, but I do. i I, I stand in need of Him today. So let's ask the Lord to help us here this morning. Mighty God, we're so thankful for You. God, we come before You as humbly as we know how today. Your Word is so anointed. I can't pray any, any further anointing on Your Word, but God, I can pray that You would touch me, help me to speak Your Word today with passion and sincerity and with anointing. Lord and help us to, to hear from heaven today. God will not fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. You know what we stand in need of today in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You may be seated. <clears throat> that is a courtesy and not a command. So part two of things, things to let go of. We we talked, I don't have the courtesy of time today to go back and, and resummarize last week for you if, if your interest is piqued at all uh, you you may go find our church Facebook page and you may listen to a a repeat of it there if your heart desires but we went through step one last week of five things in particular that I wanted to address this congregation on on things that we need to let go of and we're using Moses as our kind of our launching pad of discussion here on, on, on a, a model pattern of letting go of the things of this world and reaching toward the things that God has for us. Now, out of five last week, I, had, I, had, I came to church last week planning to get through two. I had even marked a spot in my notes Stop here, because that's where I thought I would get. I only got to number one, and we had to stretch real hard to get to that finish line. So I've got, some, I've got some ground to make up today. But number one was and is we need to let go of doubt and disobedience. Now, we covered that one at much length last week. Moving on, we often judge the Israelites harshly. Whenever I say we, I mean you and me. Because we have the courtesy today of reading the end of the storyline. You know, it's, it's easy to judge a book's contents when you've read the last page. It's easy to put on the robe of judgment about a story when you know how the story finishes. It's a bit different when you're living the story. And every decision you make makes up the plot of the story. To the end that you don't know how the story's going to finish. That's a bit different. Well, that's the world that the children of Israel, we say children, that's a bit of a, a slip of the tongue. They were adults. The people of Israel. The children of God. That's the life that they were living. They were in the story. But it was their decisions that were making up the plot and making up uh, the direction of the storyline on how, how it would go. We see it now and we think, how in the world could they be so dumb? Now if that's a little bit too blunt and harsh for you on a Sunday morning, let me back up and say, how could they be so silly? How? How could they think that? But we we need to cut them some slack today because we've already read the story. So before we judge them too harshly, let's take a reflection today on how much of these things do we actually have in our life. You know, some people have an excuse or a reason for everything. And if you don't think it's legitimate, just ask them. If you don't believe that today, you need to go supervise some employees somewhere and have, hear every excuse in the book on why they didn't come to work yesterday. Amen, hallelujah, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. <coughs> You know, that same mentality, that same philosophy is often adopted into our walk with God. Because make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, people don't just make excuses about their job. <clears throat> the people who make excuses about their job have a lifestyle of excusing. The job just happens to be one example. Job, family, spouse... Why didn't that relationship work? Why didn't this relationship work? Why don't you go to church? Why weren't you here last Sunday? Israel. We're no different than they are. Israel. The entire congregation of Israel listened as 12 spies. Again, we covered part of this last week and we're picking up from there. Twelve spies had gone to the border of the land of Canaan to scope out the land. Now this was the instructions God had given Moses to have them to do. Go check out the land. We covered last week how that God's instructions for them was to go and get enough information to determine how they were going to take the land, not can you. But yet, instead of coming back and obeying the voice of God and giving the answers to the questions, they came back and answered a question that hadn't even been asked. They came back and said, we can't do it. I want you to notice in your Bible, God never asked them if they could. Because He already knew the answer. He wanted them to see how, but they came back and said, we can't do it. 10 out of 12. Now, I haven't calculated that percentage today, but that's a pretty high percentage. I would dare say it's probably in the 90s. 10 out of 12 people. 10 out of 12 people said, we cannot do it. Can't be done. Now, notice what happens in humanity. If you get a group of reasonably minded people together and you challenge them with something to do, how many naysayers do you think it takes to stir up a group to say no? Because if there's any doubt in the mind of the other people standing there, and you've got one vocalist, what happens? You get, another, you get a second vocal person. Oh, that's right, I agree with him. We can't do it. Oh, there's number three and number four already. Oh, we can't, we, we can't, we can't do that. And before you know it, it snowballs to people that didn't even have an opinion to begin with. They're just joining in. Yeah, that's probably right. And you've got these two poor guys. Bishop, I feel sorry for him. I really do. It's, it's just, I'm shocked they didn't take them out and stone them. I feel sorry for him because you've got these two guys standing there all by themselves saying, Would you listen to yourselves? Be careful whose voice you hitch your wagon to, because just because somebody's the loudest voice in the room, don't mean they're saying the right things. With him, I don't want a divorce from God. I don't want a separation from him. I've got family to worry about. I've got a future generation to worry about. Somebody, hear me today. I don't need an escape plan. If you're here today and you're just trying it out, you're never going to be happy. Never. You'll be happy for a season. And then you'll go into a season where you'll nitpick everything that goes on. Why did he say that? Why did they sing that song? I don't like what that Sunday school teacher said to my kids. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know why you nitpick? It's because you haven't fell in love with the lover. And you haven't let go of a plan B just yet. I'm telling you today, I don't know why I'm saying this. This was in my notes last week. We didn't get to it last week. I don't understand why, but God does. I'm telling somebody today, you need to get your plan B and rip it up and throw it in the trash in Jesus' name because this is an eternal walk and journey with God. I want heaven. And you need to understand today. I need to understand today We all need to be reminded that at the end of the day there's only two two things that's going to happen. One of two things is going to happen. And I didn't come today to get in anybody's grill. And I sure don't have the strength to do so this morning. But I need to tell you today under the unction of the Holy Ghost that one of two things is going to happen at the end of your life. You're either going to heaven I say it boldly today under His anointing, or you're going to hell. Church is not a joke. My walk with God is not a laughing matter. Because there is only one destination for the soul. And this isn't in my notes this morning, but we need to be careful. And I say this with sincerity and, and, and Lord knows my heart and what I'm about to say. But we need to be careful saying amen to that in church and getting on Facebook and talking about how everybody's going to heaven. Because it seems, and I'm not trying to be rude today, but it seems that every time somebody dies, everybody's going to heaven. Well, we'll see them in heaven. We'll see them in heaven. What were their fruits? I'm not the judge. But if they've not repented, if they've not been born again of the water and of the Spirit in Jesus' name, if they've not recently, First Apostolic Church, we either believe it or we don't. If they've not had the Holy Ghost, if they've not lived a pure and upright life before God, if they've not followed the Word of God, I'm not to judge, but God's Word is. And God's Word is forever settled in heaven. And those are the things that God's Word says is what's required of us to make it So somebody's wrong. Somebody's wrong. I may sound like a 13-year-old girl right now, but I'm telling you, somebody's wrong. You can't can't live two lives. We, We can't believe this is God's plan in here and out there, talk it up. Well, how do you give condolences? You just tell them you're praying for them because you're not the judge. I'm not either, but I'm not the judge to say they didn't go, but I'm certainly not the man to say that they did. Because of what God's Word says. I've got family too that weren't saved. And it pains me, Brother Malone. It pains me to admit within myself that it requires the same thing of my family. I I believe I'm in the book today. We've got to let go of our escape plan. This is not a board game. And maybe you win, maybe you don't. Because, you know, we're all going to heaven regardless. Well, if we're all going to heaven regardless, why do we need church? I mean, what's the point? But sometimes we say those things to console ourselves, not them. We need we need a wake-up call. We need to let go of doubt and disobedience. And we need to let go of our Escape plan, Lord have mercy, I'm 20 minutes in and only on number 2, we got to move. Numbers chapter 14, help me brother Zach, chapter 14 verse number 22, the Bible says because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened my voice Each time, ten spies spoke up and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. You know, I made mention last week. <coughs> I made mention last week that um, Brother Harris had, had, had given a, a word of, of prophecy, one of a word of prophecy at one point, that not everybody, not everybody that would come to town with us when we moved and relocated would stay. And, and I didn't, I didn't, never did really even finish the thought. I thought. I got sidetracked and, and moved on from there. And while that was true, and we see the evidence of that today, I, 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 my, my point was not to paint a gloom and doom image of the church, because there's not a problem with the church. Well I didn't get very many amens on that, but it's still true. There's not a problem with the church. I saw a post on Facebook a few days ago from a, a gentleman I had received, I had allowed, I, I confirmed a connection with due to mutual contacts within the church, and his post was that the, the Pentecostal church, uh, church as a whole had all backslid, and the church was going down, and all this, I, I, I disconnected, it's my Facebook, I'll control it, and I don't have time for people like that in my life, so I distanced myself from that garbage, because it's not true, all right, <clears throat> Because let me, let me tell you why I know why. Because, and, and again, I know we covered this last week. I've said it again today. We'll, say, we'll continue to say it. God's Word is forever settled in heaven. And just because you've not seen His Word come to pass yet doesn't mean it's not true. Alright? So as real as that prophecy was, it still also rings in my ears, and I cannot quote them verbatim, but it also rings in my ears of the additional prophecies that were given to this assembly from Brother Harris, Pastor Luke St. Clair, Pastor James Chesser. To the extent, and I was praying this just a few days ago, to the extent that people would just even walk along the the highway and the sidewalks and the border of the property and would be drawn in here by the power of God. And that it would be so... I don't remember the exact word that was used. Bishop's probably got it wrote down and hanging on his wall. But it was so, so to the point that no man would be able to take any credit for it. Just a God thing. Well, what better way for us to demonstrate a God thing than from God to take us from broken? To what he wants us to be. I believe it. But I also. Pause with concern today. Wondering. How many spies do we have saying we can't do it? God give us a Joshua and a Caleb. We only need a couple in obedience to him. God give that to us. Verse 23, surely they shall not see the land. This is speaking about those in doubt and disbelief. Watch it now. They shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had... Another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seeds shall possess it. Now let me just break that down real quick. Those who doubted to the point of contemplation against their pastor that it couldn't be done, never saw it. Verse number 25. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley, Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? This is the Lord talking to Moses about Moses' congregation, Israel. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly I live, saith the Lord, As ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses. Man, I hope God never speaks those two words to me. Your carcass. Shall fall in this wilderness, verse number 29, according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, So at this stage, everyone in the nation of Israel was sentenced to die in the wilderness that was 20 years old and older. And it all started with 10 unbelievers. I I want you to piece that together today. I want you to think about your children and your grandchildren and future generations. Your, listen to me, your decisions today. Yours. Not Pastor McGee's. Not Bishop McGee's. Not mine. Your decisions today in your walk with God will determine the destiny of your children. It's only two. Verse number 32 says, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years. Children of Israel didn't wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't know how to do any different. It was a curse from God because of their disobedience. Because they had an escape plan folded up and stuck in their back pocket just in case they got mad at the preacher and things didn't work out and they decided they didn't want to do that. Let me tell you something. You might might hurt your pastor's feelings walking out on God because he cares. But your relationship with God makes no influence to his relationship with God. He's still going to serve God. And he's still going to stand before God. This isn't in my notes today. He's still going to stand before God, clean heart and clean, clean passion, knowing that he preached the word. What, what are you saying? I'm saying, we again, and, and we covered this last week. Let me bring it up one more time. We, we are in error today to bring a 21st century pop culture mentality into a church that worships the ancient of old. Those two relationships cannot coexist. So if you come in here with worldly thinking, you're going to constantly be disappointed. God desires an obedient spirit to His Word, to His authority, yes, to His man. I am submitted to my pastor today Whenever I say I, I'm saying that representatively of all of us, not just me. And I will remain submitted to him as he is submitted to God because I don't want my children to die in the wilderness. I don't want my grandchildren to not ever see the church. I don't want ten years from now to be telling my grandkids stories about what the church used to be. I don't want my generation, and and we'll go a little younger. I'll I'll step back to Brother Malone's generation. I don't want our generation, Brother Malone, to be telling stories that they've never witnessed. (coughs) Let me break it down this way. I'm not going to get dumb. We're just going to call it wherever we're done. Let me break it down this way. Been raised in church. I've had a blessing of being raised in church. By no means does that ever make me perfect. That's not what I'm saying. But by being raised in church, even when I wasn't serving God as a child, I saw a whole lot of things. I have seen, I have been in present company when God has healed blind eyes. I've seen people walk in, couldn't see, walk out seeing. I've seen my own mother hobble in on a walker because she couldn't even walk and she carried that walker to the car that Sunday night after church. I have been in present company. We talked about this in Connect Group the other night when I saw a man die. I was 14 years old right there in the middle of my dad's preaching. I saw a man die and his eyes roll back in his head during the middle of a Friday night service sitting on the pew about where Sister Rhonda's at sitting there and head flew back eyes rolled back dead as dead. And as soon as my dad touched his forehead in the name of Jesus, his eyes popped open. Seen a lot. I've not seen as much as some of you. So collectively, we've seen a lot. I've seen devils cast out. Seen people healed. Miracles. We had a gentleman in our second church come and get prayed for, left, and it wasn't long after that the report came back he was healed of AIDS. We've had reports of people coming and getting prayed for and going back, and the cancer was gone. I'm not saying that gloatingly. I'm saying, as the body of Christ, we have seen God show up. We've seen him show up. So did the children of Israel. So did Israel. They saw him deliver them from the bondage of an evil Pharaoh. They saw him drown that Pharaoh's army in three inches of water. They saw him. They complained, Moses, we're thirsty! What'd God do? He, get, he gave out enough water from a rock to quench the thirst of millions of people. That's a lot of water. I'd take a fire truck or two. Moses, we're hungry. I had three square meals. I didn't even have to pay for them. I didn't even have to punch my lunch ticket. And I had good food. Yeah, you forgot what you sacrificed to get that meal. So what happened? God sent quail and bread. Fresh manna, bread. Fresh bread from heaven every day. Every day. Loaves of bread that history records weighed somewhere between five and six pounds apiece. Now that's a loaf of bread right there. All you keto people, just stay at your distance. Because this is manna from heaven. Carbohydrate veal. Straight from God. All they had to do is go collect it. Open your tent, unzip your tent and look out, and there's bread. Oh, breakfast is served. Bread. Then what happened? God, I don't like to taste this bread. That's all we taste all the time. Be careful, be careful, because this world's appetite will cause you to never be happy with God's diet. If you're struggling in your walk with God today, check your diet. I I know we're not running and shouting the aisles today, but I'm worried about somebody's longevity in this. Because you'll forget about your shout. Six months from now, I don't want you to forget somebody telling you, check your diet. What are you feeding yourself? I'm not talking physically. What are you feeding yourself? What are you, what are you digesting? They were sentenced to 40 years because they had spent 40 days wondering about the land of promise and doubting that God... Could deliver them. So their penalty was a year for every day they spent doubting. Which is why I believe, and this is I mean this sincerely, and I, I think I have done it to myself. But I think sometimes if our eyes could be opened spiritually and we could see our promise, we're we're so close to touch it. And every time we doubt God, it gets just a few steps further away. But oh, if we could see how close we were. If you could only see how close you were to your deliverance. We'd be better off understanding not to doubt God. Because the Bible says in Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please Him. The sentence is now passed by God and it will be carried out. God struck down the spies that had given the evil report. So now this generation is sentenced to spending the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They will never know what God's promises were all about because of the unbelief of their parents. You want to do something for your family? You want to do something for your children? Fall in love with God. Live for God. Walk with God. Worship God. Show up for God. Even when He doesn't show up for you. And what I mean by that, because I think He always shows up for us, but he doesn't always show up for us the way that we think he should. So we think he didn't show up. Well, God forgot me this time because I didn't get an answer. You got an answer. It just must have been no. Or maybe he hasn't answered you yet because it's not time. So next up, we're going to try to squeeze one more in here. We need to let go of our complaining. Now, God knew what was capable. They knew what God was capable of. What had been 430 years since their forefathers had left the land of God's promises, and caused them to end up in the bondage of Egypt to begin with, is now delayed another 40 years. Because they complained. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. (coughs) God called one of the two spies that were spared to be the successor of Moses. Some big shoes to fill. Really big. Shoes I would not want to fill. To take the place of the prophet and deliverer, Moses. Be very intimidating. Very intimidating. Every time Moses, watch this. Every time Moses lifted up a rod, God's power fell. Just think about that. I hold up a stick, nothing happens. I throw a stick down, it's still a stick. Moses threw a stick down, it became a serpent. Ate another snake. He picks it back up by the tail and it becomes a stick again. Red Sea parted when he took that stick and touched the water with it. Not only did it part, but there must have been a blow dryer in there somewhere when it did because they walked on dry ground. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ten plagues came upon Egypt when he lifted that rod. Moses came off of Sinai from being with God and receiving the laws and the tabernacle plan. The skin of his face was radiated and glowing with the glory of God. The people were afraid to approach him. It was obvious he had been in the presence of God. They didn't even want to speak to him. It's very powerful. The thoughts of taking his place must have been very intimidated and frightening to Joshua. I want you to imagine today that you're Joshua. What are you saying? I'm saying number three today, we need to let go of intimidation and fear. Because there are people today, not just in this church, but I dare say every apostolic church across this country and the world, that are paralyzed by intimidation and fear. Because all you remember is your past and all God's trying to get you to look at is your future. I can't do this because. I can't do this. remember, Moses had plenty of excuses. I can't do this, God. Moses didn't step into this role of leader willingly at first. He, he, he was submitted eventually, but not at first. Not at first. At first, Moses could identify with each and every one of us pretty good because he said no. Maybe this is a good time to talk about our cleaning crew again. I'm joking. I'm joking. Moses, God, I can't do it. And when Moses ran out of reasons, he said, well, I'm slow of speech. God said, "All right, I'll give you a speaker. God's got a sense of humor now. Joshua 1 and 5. There shall not not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. This is God to Joshua. So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That sounds a little familiar today. Because I think I remember the words of Jesus saying in the New Testament that I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I think those are the same words. So the same words in similarity that God told Joshua on succeeding the man Moses, God has given to each and every one of us. (coughs) <coughs> I said it last week, I will repeat myself. I think some of us are too scared to obey God or to get too close to Him out of fear of what He will require from us. Well, if I get too close to Him, He might ask me to do something. <sighs> well, guess what? He's probably going to ask you to do something. That's what family does, or they're supposed to do, help, pitch in, carry the weight. It's powerful today. Joshua doesn't have any doubts they can do it. He knew God was with him. He was one of the two spies trying to convince the people over 40 years ago we are well able. We are well, well able. So now Joshua prepares the people of several million to cross the river Jordan into the land that God has given them. Joshua 1 in verse number 10 declares, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go into possess.'" The land. Words that they had lived for years waiting to hear, which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. To get there, they had to let go of some things. In our walk with God, this is not the last time you will hear this, nor does it need to be. But we need to be continually reminded in our walk with God not to let the attachments of the world get on us i'm not saying that fun can't be had i'm not saying that you you shouldn't enjoy certain things i've got my little short list of things in this life that i enjoy For each and every one of us, that thing is different. Not everything is a sin. And I'm not going to give the devil credit to believe that it is. But What I will say is, even things that aren't a sin can become sin if we put them before God. And it's not the thing that's wrong, it's your behavior toward the thing. So we need to follow God. So with that in mind, I say we need to let go of our idols. We need to do some house cleaning to make sure we don't have any idols. We might possess some and not be aware of it yet. I realized the ark was a holy place, a holy piece of furniture that had a sacred meaning. I realized it represented the presence of God. But the people followed the box. when the box moved the people went the people followed the box why is it people will follow a box but they won't follow a spirit because I might think it could be a little easier today if we had a box to follow But you tell somebody you're following the voice of God they think you're crazy I had a confrontational conversation with a man just a few days ago not in this church not in this community And the confrontation started around my answer to a question that he asked. And the answer started with, well, I'm trying to follow after what God wants. Coming to church can be an idol. Now that's for those of us that's here and not those that aren't. Coming to church can be an idol because this world is full of churchgoers. This world is full of people that go to church on Sunday morning and on Monday they feel pretty good about themselves. I'm not advocating we shouldn't come to church. I believe in Hebrews 10.25. Alright, I'm not advocating we shouldn't come to church but coming to church, the physical reality of being in this box is not why I'm here. Holy dress can be an idol. I'm not advocating against holiness, but it can be an idol if that is where our salvation is stored. Long hair can be an idol. Your children can be an idol if you put them before God. Anything in life we develop arrogance with becomes our idol. Time, job, family, can all be an idol. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. Be careful today what you put before God. Because we need to let go. Hey, that was the last one. We made it. It's a little stretch at the finish line. We need to let go of doubt and disobedience. We need to let go of our escape plan. We need to let go of our complaining. We need to let go of intimidation and fear. We need to let go of our idols. And then we need to move on into God's promised land. Because where obedience is, stand with me this morning. Where obedience is, blessings flow. The way we get from bondage of sin to promise of God is first to acknowledge we have sin. I think the children of Israel had a little bit of an identity crisis along the way believing that they were actually in bondage in order to ever entertain the idea of going back. Why? I know there's psychology behind this and I won't bore you with it today. But why in the world would you want to go back to something that treated you so poorly? It takes, it takes a lot of help. And I say this carefully today because I don't know who's listening. Because we do have an internet audience this morning. But it takes a lot of Help and talking, sometimes medical facilitation is needed, takes a lot of prayer, It takes a lot of counseling to get a spouse, and it really doesn't matter the sex, but to get a spouse who was abused to move on from the abuse. It takes a whole lot for them to break free. And the root of it it usually lies with forgiving themselves. Because they've got so much blame for things that aren't even their responsibility. They blame themselves. Why are you saying that this morning? I'm saying that because of this. It's much like that in our walk with God. What happens when someone is struggling to break free from spousal abuse? Many times, many times, they will go from abuse, they'll go back. I want you to listen to me this morning. They'll go back another time because of love because of all the right, sincere, motivated reasons, not realizing the harm that is being done. And then there's a break in that, and they try to set free, and then they go back. It is very difficult for someone who has suffered abuse to break free. Now, here, Watch me here. There's a spirit that's just like that today in our walk with God. You'll walk with God for a while with no problems. And then from nowhere, one day, you'll have a lingering desire to want to go back to your bondage. Not recognizing the harm and the destruction that awaits you. That is the ploy of our adversary today. He does not want you happy. He does not want you living for God. He wants you going back to the beggarly elements of this world to fall into the pit of despair. I've not come to share bad news with you today. i am come to tell you that you're in the right place today. Because the God we serve is not only a delivering God for natural realities of abuse, but He's a delivering God today for us in a spiritual way. To cleanse our eyes from looking back over our shoulder. Brother Fred, when I look over my shoulder, I try to make sure that when I'm looking over my shoulder, it's with gratitude for how far God has brought me. But we've got to be careful how many times we look over our shoulder. Because if that's all we do is look at yesterday, we'll start wanting what yesterday had. I need to look at yesterday with Thanksgiving and turn right around and look at tomorrow with promise. Right? I wonder if you'd just lift your hands right now and call on the name of the Lord together. I feel a sweet, holy reverence in this house today. God, while there's some things I need to let go of, there's one thing unmistakably I cannot let go of, and that's you. I need you, Jesus. I need your power, I need your direction, I need your anointing, I need your support. God, I need your support in my walk walk of life, in my relationships, in my home, with my children, with my wife, with my family. God, I need you, Lord, just as as a man walking this earth. God, I need you to order my steps. God, help us today as individuals to draw closer to you. God, we need you in this hour. We need you in this hour. God, I don't want to long for for the bondage of my sin. I don't want to look at all of the positive things of joy and fun that happened then, mistaking it for all of the bad things that I, I have forgotten in my walk with you. God, help me to keep perspective, God, of letting go of the things that attach me to this world and help me to hang on to the world to come. God, we need you in this hour. Somebody say amen today. We need you in this hour. We need the Lord. I don't know about you today, but I need the Lord. (coughs) I need Him. Not as a preacher. Not as a musician or a singer. I need Him as a man. (coughs) Because before anything else ever happened, I was saved as an individual, as a sinner, as a man. And I still need Him in the same respect today. Don't you love the Lord today? Aren't you thankful for his word? God loves us so much. Amen. We invite you to be with us again. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.